This is Office Hours with the Practical Prop and Friends with me, Dr. Santo D. Marabella, your workplace advisor and teacher. Hello and welcome to another edition of Office Hours with the Practical Prof and Friends. Uh, it's been a while, but I'm glad to be back. Um, you'll notice that this this month's edition of the uh, podcast and the video interview are going to coincide also with the topic in uh, the Business Weekly for May, I believe it's May 18 and May 25. So I've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half now, off and on, you know, not, not every month, but sporadically. And it's I purposely called it Office Hours with Practical Profit and Friends because I realized how many f true friends I have who are really talented and really um, excellent expert, you know, subject matter experts on different topics. And uh, today is certainly another example of that uh, with our guest is going to be Tracy Grayeski. And she's currently the Chief Human Resources Officer and she's an adjunct instructor also at Juniata College. Um, and I have known Tracy for more years than I'm going to share. And we look the same as we did when we first <laughs> connected uh, way back through uh, various volunteer and community activities. But I just want to read some of her. Um, she's got a really wonderful background in um, uh, pharmaceutical companies and healthcare, and most recently, as you as I said, higher ed. And she is a certified retirement coach and authorized partner for Predictive Index and the Five Behaviors of a Cohesive Team. As I, uh, she, as I said, she's at Juniata, but she's also an alumna and had served as an alumna trust, alumni trustee and class fund agent. And she's a member of the CPU-HR, which I'm going to have to ask her about because I don't know that organization, but I do know SHRM, uh, Society for Human Resource Management. Um, so. Let me introduce you and welcome Tracy Goyeski, and I'll ask her to start her video and we'll get started. Hi, Santo. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for being with us today. Delighted to do so. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really excited about this topic. Um, and tell me what the CUPA thingy is. Yeah, so that's College and Unity College and University Professionals Association, and we're members of the HR part of that. That's where we get all our nice compensation data and uh, information about human resources practices in higher education. Excellent. Thank you for clarifying that. It's always good for the host to know what he's talking about. <laughs> and sometimes that even happens here. Um, you know, I'm taking the... the um, this is the follow-up to the article, so this will be in print as well as uh, in the podcast and and blasted um, in on the YouTube channel. Um, so I'm taking the point of view with collaboration, which is the topic, that we have way too much competition and not enough collaboration, and that's just my personal bias. But I wanted to start off by uh, kind of first of all getting your sense of what what do you see collaboration being? What does it look like to you? And then what do you think about that comment about competition? Yeah. So, so to me, collaboration is, is kind of like 
sort of like what we're modeling right now, right? We are working together on something. Certainly we, uh, although I think it's a bit different, that view of competition is a bit different in higher education than it is in other, uh, in other industries. But, you know, we work at two institutions that are competing for talent, right? Uh, for student talent, for um, faculty and, and administrator talent, right? But yet you and I can work together and produce a product that, you know, provides um, provides something to to the world. You know, a point of view and so forth. And we can do that without the boundaries of you know misrepresenting our organizations or one organization looking better than the other. Um, we can just come together and produce something that's um, you know jointly created. And I and I think there's a lot of strength and power in that um, as opposed to you know, uh, producing something alone in a vacuum and then trying to, you know, trying to bring that forward in a highly, you know, competitive landscape of um, information. Yeah. Uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking benchmarking came across because, yeah. you know, it's like that was a concept no, no longer, uh, you know, um, cutting edge, but I mean, it's still, it's important. And that idea that you actually would talk to competitors about different strategies because they're willing to help, they may do something better than you, and you do something better than them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think that um, you know, solving a common problem is um, you know is a perfect uh, fertile ground is perfect fertile ground for collaborations, right? So, COVID for me was a great example of that, where. You know, I, I don't think that, you know, it was important that Susquehanna or Moravian or Juniata did better at COVID than one another, right? That wasn't the thing. We were trying to solve a problem that was common to all of us and trying to do that in a way that was in service of student populations and parents and employees, et cetera. So it was a great place for collaboration. We were on the phone, you know, pretty frequently trying to understand what others are doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that there are a lot of cases where that is absolutely appropriate and, and, a, and a best approach. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I can't remember where, but within a day ago, I think somebody's email tag or something, there was an African proverb, and it's really fortuitous that it came up. And it said, if you want to get some, if you want to do something fast, do it alone. If you want to do something well, go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that makes like, a lot of sense. Yeah, we get these messages when we need them. Right. Or, and, and when we're looking for it. So I thought that was really cool. So. I think it's pretty obvious the difference between competition and, and collaboration. What might not be so obvious to listeners or viewers is this, this idea of cooperation versus collaboration. And I think it's a subtle difference, but how do you understand it? And I'll, I'll chime in with my thought. Yeah, yeah. So to me, like collaboration is to produce something like something comes out of a collaboration, whether that's a research project or furthering of knowledge, advancing of knowledge, the creation of something. So I feel like there's an end product, whereas cooperation is slightly more passive, right? Like you, um, you may ask for someone's cooperation and that just means they don't block you. 
right? That, that could be cooperation, but that doesn't mean you mutually produce something or you further or advance an idea. Does, does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, I like the way you frame it. <laughs> Not getting in my way. Right. Or yeah, right? getting out of my way or, or, you know, vote thumbs up on this and you might not even care about it at all, but I need your voice, right? right. I need, you know, I need to say, Hey, someone at Moravian college thinks is a good idea, you know, and, right. and you don't really, it doesn't cost you anything to do it. Right. No time, no energy. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, I'm, I'm remembering and, and I'm sure you will from teaching, it was, I can't remember who to credit it, but it was this conflict management style and it was a a matrix or an axis between the level and amount of cooperation and the level and amount of assertiveness. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to really assert yourself and have no level of cooperation, it was uh, competing. Yeah. But if you're going to be fully cooperative and fully assertive, it was collaboration. Yeah. You know, in that, in that mix. And, and so it does, you know, I think we've seen it come up in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. So um, what, what do you find have been the reasons that teams or, or employees don't collaborate? Well, sometimes it's expediency, as you've suggested, you know, I just need to get it done fast. I just need to submit this, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes it's politics, you know, it's, it's, it's garnering the boss's favor, you know, um, and, you know, want to be first to first to market with this, you know, with the boss that it's, that it's my idea, um, you know, which is somewhat competitive. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, uh, some people are threatened by additional information, you know, or a different point of view. Um, they're threatened by it, right? Because it might suggest that I don't know everything there is to know in the world about a topic, right? Um, whereas, I, you know, like I tend to, to be from the position is I clearly don't know enough about this. I need, you know, I need other people's thinking. Um, I think I think that there there are segments of the world that just don't frankly care about anyone else's input, you know, and um, want to see the world a singular way because it's it's easier for them, right? Mm. Uh, whereas when you introduce diversity of thought or some type of you know a creative process, it takes energy, you know, and um, if you're not willing to spend that energy, you know, or seek to understand another point of view, which to me is, you know, a great synthesis point, um, you know, you don't spend as much energy, you know, so maybe there's a laziness to it, maybe, you know, uh, that, uh, that prevents it from happening. And then I think sometimes there's just naivete, right, that yeah. that someone else could possibly help you. Like, I know, you know, it's, it's really funny when you change organizations, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways when that you come in some places you come in as like the ultimate expert in this thing. Right. And so you get too much credit. Right. And then other places, when you come in as a new employee, it's like, well, you couldn't possibly know how we do this here, you know? And so, um, you know, so having been a new entrant into new industries, you know, collaboration has, has been essential. It's been essential for me to seek collaboration because, because you're right. I don't know how, some points of HR are done in higher education, um, you know, compared to industry. And quite frankly, I'm still learning that. So <laughs> I can't help but think, um, you know, a lot of this 
is the organization's responsibility for creating a culture mm -hmm. where collaboration is not only okay, but it's encouraged. Expected. <laughs> expected exactly better than encouraged so uh -huh. so you have a really cool background because you've had so many years in corporate with banking and pharmaceuticals and and then you know this next chapter that you're currently in of your career being in the not-for-profit sector so I guess my next question is organically you know is that it's natural is it seem to be more natural or organic in either of those sectors um well, you know, again, it just depends on the problem you're trying to solve. You know, um, um, I, I find that, you know, and it, maybe it's, it's my own, you know, my own place, right, is, you know, that, that there seem to have um, been certain topics where, um, like, cooperation, collaboration not required, right? Um, you know, even, even the, like, the signs of culture, you know, that you might expect, like the recognition programs, they separate versus bring together, right? And it's been one of the things that that I've been introducing as an idea, new idea, you know, is it like, do we really have to have like a separate faculty retirement dinner from a staff retirement dinner? Why don't we have a retirement dinner for everybody, right? Because the more that you, you practice those, um, those uh, rituals and continue, it reinforces separatism versus let's come together and, and uh, do this together. And I'm not sure that, that they were ever intentional from the get go. Right. But when we, when we talk about how now, you know, as you know, higher ed is in a highly competitive environment and, um, you know, not just with one another, but around the whether edu higher education has a value at all for people and is it worth the cost? And, you know, like there's a lot of external environmental factors that are challenging our industry. And so I think each institution, you know, has started to recognize the importance of a cohesive culture and, a, and an environment that feels, you know, collaborative and in a community. And, um, you know, so it's really taken, it's stepped us back to look at how do we pull that off? Because certainly like one part of the organization can't operate without the other, right? We're all the college, right? We're all the institution. Right. And, and I think people embrace that. They, that's how they want to feel. The, the companies I've worked with in consulting, I've always found them to be much more, more or much less willing than a not-for-profit who don't have really high resource stakes are they don't have a lot of resources so their their attitude is always yeah we're in this together and the only way we're going to accomplish anything is together now i don't know if in practice they're better but they certainly in 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 intention and in vision um seem to be more attuned there's much more identification with the mission in nonprofits, right? Especially like the nonprofit, small nonprofits that you and I are familiar with that we've worked together in in the past, um, they're together around a common purpose. And usually that common purpose is doing doing good, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like helping, helping people, human services, or um, building, you know, building community infrastructure or leadership or whatever. And so people align to that purpose and 
and set more differences aside, you know, um, I, I feel. Um, when you're in a for-profit situation, you know, that, that tends to be one of the highest objectives is for-profit, right? right? Right. And so the things that you do have to have an efficiency factor, right? That generate value. Um, that's, that's a requirement. Um, but, you know, it, it's certainly something that I think can, um, it, you know, you can see, less collaborative environments show up in nonprofits when people have a different view of what the mission should be. Oh, we should help children. No, we should help the elderly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should help special needs children. No, children in general. You know what I mean? Like you, mm -hmm. sometimes you see some divergence. Well, like and then that. when when you're when you're kind of transposing that on a co company that might happen to be a conglomerate or a multifaceted company, then it's like who's which part of the mission do we Right. have allegiance to full disclosure i always have had a bias against sales and could never you know i so much of what i do in the past has been promoting but it's i would never say it's sales right and part of the reason i get so frustrated with it is that the silo concepts of everybody is against each other in the sales organization is and the antithesis of collaborating oh yeah and i don't i i Sales, sales experts might tell me I'm wrong, and but I, I can't imagine that it's more effective to compete than to collaborate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're selling. You know, like if you're if you're selling something, like if you're selling at the wholesale level, let's say, if you're selling to another company, business to business, right? Um, then it's it's more complex, right? And you need more people to come together to make it happen, right? But if you are responsible for just selling your own thing, um, you know, I, I did some work in executive search once, and I'll use this as an example. Um, and so, you know, obviously part of our work was filling jobs, right? It was finding the candidates for the jobs. So there was an element of sales in that. But you had like, you know, you had to go out and get your own business, right? And so, um, so I was asked to lead a practice, the HR practice for a search firm. And I thought, well, this is going to be fun. You know, I get to collaborate with all these people all around the world, um, which we did. We'd have meetings together and whatever. But when it came down to selling searches, the way the financial rewards followed those sales Dis disincented, completely disincented anyone to say, hey, Tracy, you would be the best expert at doing this search. You take this search, right? Because the way the, the way the money was allocated to who did what in reward for completing that search or finding that search, like totally disincented um, the collaboration. So people were like great to sit around on a Zoom call and because this was global and, you know, and have a nice chat with one another, but they weren't really willing to collaborate to get a sale, right? Because, because there, because there were winners and losers in that compensation wise, you know, they weren't bad people. They were just following the rewards. Well, and, and they could have restructured the rewards. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, of course, being an HR person <laughs> <laughs> for the HR practice, I was kind of like, why don't we do this? You know, but then that was just a whole other kettle of fish, right? Because it, it had implications across all the other practices and people were like, that's a bad idea. <laughs>
Right. And you know, like you had, like you had country managers, you know, it was complex. It was, it was pretty complex. So it was was a learning. The the bottom line was people were afraid that they were going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. It was like zero sum, you know, and, and, um, you know, and that, and that's, that's like, even practically speaking, that's how, that's what the outcome would have been for some people. So what do you think about this? I, I, I think, I mean, COVID was a horrible experience in so many levels. Yes. And (laughs) exhausting. Yes. Right. And at the same time, there are some really gems that we're going to take with us going forward. And I think one of them is around collaboration in that we were forced to pull it together in ways that we've never been able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely true. And and I think, you know, it demonstrated what could happen when we align around public, you know, interest of world health. I mean, all, you know, all segments of the economy of, you know, uh, the world, all segments were impacted by this pandemic. And, and quite, it's like quite remarkable to even think about shutting down the economy. And, you know, like you and I in our lifetime didn't experience shortage until now. Right. You know, and of course our parents were like, you know, oh, heck yeah, there was all kind of shortage during World War II. You know, we were like, oh, ancient history, that would never happen again. Right. But then all of a sudden, like, a panic ensued when you couldn't get toilet paper, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so the, so the impacts of it were so broad and and hurtful of of so many people um, that I think people came together in a really miraculous moment to try and solve that problem. And I, and I, I'm sad that we'll go back, you know, to, you know, we'll go back to a, a state where public health and, safe, you know, safety of, of an efficacy of medicines, you know, we'll go back to that competition place because it, it's not, not been a good place. Um, you, you have ethical players and then you have unethical players. You have competitive players that will put profit ahead. You know, I, I was really fortunate to work for a, a company that was, you know, very much very profitable, but very much around, um, you know, make the best medicine, have the best science. Um, and that, that was a wonderful place to work. You know, you felt proud of going to work there every day. Today we were having a conversation about, you know, we always had our board meetings in person here on, you know, campus or in another location in person. And the in-person was like so important and so critical. And, you know, we started to talk about how, yeah, but it might be both and. Um, we might be able to be more inclusive, for example, of people with, young families or large travel requirements that can't take a week off to come to a board meeting if we did some type of a mixed approach, which would have never been, you know, never even been thought of until the medium was challenged by COVID. I've worked for global companies. And so it's not really foreign concept for global company. You know, someone's working a global company because I collaborated with people in Singapore and Malaysia and Japan and, you know, Germany and Italy. And I never met them in person um, because you couldn't afford to. Right. Right. So right. I think we learned that, 
you know, there is a, an easier way to like you and I didn't have to come together physically to have this like amazing conversation. That's good right. you know, for both of us, hopefully for your listeners, but <laughs> yeah. Can you think of, I know you gave some examples. Is there anything else that you can think of that you could say, and it is without a doubt, if we didn't collaborate, this would not have happened. Um, well, I, I, you know, not to make it all about COVID, but it that has consumed our life for the last. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, but, but on our campus, um, as well as, you know, those collaborations we did outside of the campus, but on our campus, we had a group of people who like in nature wouldn't have worked together, right? Like the natural, you know, like we, we had our, uh, we had a guy who's a herpetologist who heads up our health and safety. We had someone from our events planning. We had myself, we had a business faculty member. We had, you know, we had this group of people uh, from all over the institution that met uh, marketing and communications. We met, we still meet every, in fact, we, we now feel that we're a support group, but we, you know, we met every morning because as you know, the news about COVID evolved every day, like, you know, and, and, and we're not used to knowledge changing that quickly. Um, certainly in, in this industry, right. <laughs> but, but, uh, just in general in society, like I felt that in the first, you know, whatever, six months of COVID, U.S. employment law and benefits law changed more quickly than in the 30 years I worked in, in corporate America, right, in, in those six months. And so you had to be, you had, you needed a lot of people to keep up with it. You needed people to come together and generate creative ideas on how to solve a problem that just arose yesterday or earlier, you know, this morning or whatever. How are we going to handle this? What happens when this happens? And it's been one of the most um, effective teams I've ever worked on because we were all different levels. Like my, you know, I'm two of us were cabinet level, you know, other people were like at the administrative level, you know, and um, there were no levels. There were no you know, there, nobody was an expert in COVID. Nobody came into the room as an expert in COVID, right? Some people were better at science than others, but, um, you know, but, but from our areas, we all had something to contribute. We came together, we could have constructive dialogue, we had mutual respect, and we were solving a problem that was like seriously impactful to all of us. This notion of community is really, really important, whether you're in for-profit or not-for-profit, and that we can really do this and work together, and, and the benefits are immeasurable and invaluable, and uh, thank you so much for taking some time to, to re remind us about that. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm so, I'm delighted to, to help you, all, obviously and always, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that, um, I think it's a great topic that you're on and, you know, you're doing great work around it. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. So you've been listening to Office Hours with the Practical Prof and Friends and my friend, this, this episode has been Tracy Grayeski, who's the Chief Human Resource Officer at um, Juniata College. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. This has been Office Hours with the Practical Prof and Friends, a production of Marabella Enterprises. Follow us on Twitter at Practical Prof and Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at The Practical Prof. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved.